Welcome to the Corporate Catholic Podcast, where we inspire the joyful hustle by integrating your relationship with God into the nine to five. Join us as we flip the script on faith and work. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are so excited to have you here today, and we have a special guest, one of my best friends, Amelia. Hello, everyone. One of our friends. Come on. That's what? true. <laughs> Fine. New, new friendships. Friend now, new friendships. <laughs> okay. You guys have like bonded this weekend. So like, <laughs> it's fine. Thank you, St. Patrick's Day. Exactly. We're really excited to have Amelia here today. Uh, she has been one of my best friends since fifth grade. <laughs> so been in my life for a while and she's visiting for St. Patrick's Day. So you know, I don't know if you guys know, but Chicago's big St. Patrick's Day city. Mm-hmm. So we do it a week early, which is kind of weird, but Amelia's here. And how was our weekend, guys? Yeah, let's ask Amelia. What, what, how, how was your how weekend? How did St. Patrick's Day live up to your expectations? I mean, all I needed to see was Claire and the Green River. And I definitely think I, I saw both of those. The river was better than I think I could have ever expected. It Amelia was way almost more started green. crying. I, really? I literally almost cried. Yeah. One tear was coming in my right eye. Because <laughs> it was, I was just so beautiful. It was or? so beautiful. It was more than I could have imagined. It's um, like the double rainbow guy like yeah. from fifth grade when you're like, it's just so intense. <laughs> like that was Amelia at the river. <laughs> yeah. An emotion, emotional day for me. Um, but it was so fun. I always like meeting everyone over here that Claire talks about so much. Um, and it was just a good day, a long day, but a good day. Yeah. yeah. Exceeded my expectations, 10 out of 10. Yeah, we were hopping around the city. It was freezing, unfortunately. Okay, not as cold as last year, though. Yeah, that's Train so ride fair. was a 0 out of 10. Oh, my God. <laughs> other than that, no complaints. I mean, that's any time on the red line. Let's be real. The train was packed, and I mean, like, Sardines. body to body. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a lot. But it was at the point where all the people in the middle had nothing to hold on to except the person in front of them. And so we were all like, woo! Like you're, just, you're just close enough that you can just stand and you won't move because, <laughs> because people, you'll just run they're going to hold you back. Yeah, they'll hold you up. So Yeah, but it was a good day. Um, we slept. We lost an hour of sleep, though. That was tough. Yeah. But we got up, got some coffee. We're revived and we're ready to record. Yeah, how early did you guys get up today? 6.45 a.m. for the second day in a row. And I am clearly not a morning person. I'm not a morning person at all. But for Claire, I will be, I guess. Amelia is practically nocturnal because she is a nurse and she does the night shift. So, yeah, I actually, like, should be more cognizant of that. But I just completely (laughs) ignored that it made Amelia get up super early. So sorry. I mean, you gotta pack in as much as you can. I know you're only it's here for so trip. long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, Amelia, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and just like where you're from, what you do, what you're working on, what's going on with you? Okay. Well, hello everyone again. My name is Amelia Olin. I have known Claire since fifth grade, went to middle school and high school with her um, in Columbus. I still live there now, and I am a night shift nurse at a children's hospital, and I work on the blood cancer and bone marrow transplant unit, which sounds very sad, but it's a good time. I really like it. I have been, I was born and raised Catholic, all the good things, still practicing, obviously, if I'm on the podcast, (laughs) and yeah, I think that about sums it up. Just yeah. a night shift nurse. Well, Ann Teller, she was just telling us about the class that she's okay. taking. Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> currently, I am in training to become a FEM instructor, which is fertility and education for medical management. So basically, I will be able to teach women about their cycles and fertility and ovulation and all the good things revolving around hormones and being a woman. Um, because women just don't understand enough about their body, and that's sad, and we should fix that. So... That's a very exciting new thing, and hopefully I'll be able to make some nursing moves with that. So yeah. we'll see. So is that through your hospital, or are you doing it outside of? No. So it's actually like a specific company. They're called FEMM, F-E-M-M. Um, and I, for some reason, I don't know, I've always just found it interesting, like the woman's body 
And especially in Catholicism, we have like natural family planning, but I wanted to know the science behind it because I don't know, I don't understand my cycle. And I was like, that's kind of concerning. This is, happens every month. I should probably know a little bit more. And the more and more I researched and found out, I realized that no one really knows what's going on. And I feel like women are done a disservice just being put on the birth control pill and all that stuff. And we never get to the root cause. So I decided I would take a class to learn so that I could teach other people and myself. So it's pretty exciting. It's cool stuff. It might sound gross, but I like it. So yeah. And it's just learning about your body and how it naturally functions. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. And Allison reminded, well, I'm one of Amelia's little students. Yes. Claire is (laughs) client number one, as I'm going to call her. So (laughs) she is my tester, my guinea pig. Um, if my classes aren't going well, she's going to be the first one to know. So she's my practice. Which I was like so excited because this was like one of my goals for the year, honestly, was just to like learn more about myself and in that way. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so I'm I'm really excited. Amelia sent me a lengthy email with multiple attachments that I haven't <laughs> read, so I'm already doing great. Yeah, she you said you were like I'm just gonna skim it. You're gonna tell me everything. <laughs> I was like I put a lot of hard work. I was trying to be a corporate girl and send an email. Like I could have texted you that, but no, I said I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it out. I'm gonna see what it's like to work in the corporate world and send an email. Wow, you're doing your own little consulting gig right here. You yeah. got your first client. I mean, yeah. it's great. I'm just learning from you two, I guess. It's channeling my inner Seriously. Claire. Seriously. Tips that you've learned from the pod. Yes. Yeah. So good. <laughs> okay. And yeah, let's let's do a quick chat about how we know each other though. Okay, like I'll I'll start with this because <laughs> Amelia, we so I went to a K through eight grade school and I was there my whole life. Amelia lived in another town and then moved to Columbus in fifth grade. And so Amelia comes to school and like immediately is like the most popular girl like day one because like, you know, like, you know, when like a new person comes, everyone's kind of like obsessed with them and like, oh my gosh, like someone new, like where's she gonna fit? Like who's she gonna be friends with? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the whole vibe. And I like immediately thought we would be friends. Like I just could. I had a friend crush on you. Like I, I could, I could tell that we would vibe. She hypes me up way too much. I, I could tell that we would be friends, but then Amelia like immediately started hanging out with like these other girls that like I wasn't really that close with, and so I was like, oh, like oh, I'm so mad. Like I was like, oh, like I don't know if we're gonna be friends now, and like I just really wanted to be your friend. So then it was like English class, and yeah. for some reason we got to choose. There were three books that we could choose to read. And you would, like, become, like, a group, you know, that reads that book. And there were three books, and two of the books, like, had so many people that wanted to do them for some reason. Like, 20 or 30 people, I don't know, just big class, and, like, a lot of people were doing those books. And then the book that Amelia chose had, like, five people (laughs) in that group. And I was like, I'm doing that one. So So we could, like... Get to know each other. Yes. Did you know this? No. I mean, I've heard this story because she loves to tell it. But no, I, in fifth grade, I did not know that Claire was going through this much inner turmoil about being my friend. So. Well, I was like, this is literally perfect. Now we're in such a small group and then like we can hang out. And then we oh literally gosh. did become friends over that. No, though. we did. And then over we did our book. like colonial days together. And I feel like after that. Yeah, our we colonial were just... days project. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sealed yes. the deal for us. Yes, yes. Hasn't left me alone ever since. So, so true. So true. <laughs> Wait, so did you, like, how did you feel about Claire? Like, did you even notice her yeah. before? What are your thoughts? <laughs> I actually or... don't know the answer I'm going to be honest. When Claire tells a story, I don't think I knew who she was. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I knew who she was, like, Ouch. once we got to the group. No, the, I, guys, I was I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. She was so too, popular. Too many people trying to be your friends. No, Seriously. No, I don't I don't remember it like that. But I do Basically remember Basically already her. had a fifth grade boyfriend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't tell my parents. Um, no, I knew who she was. But I didn't, I, it just wasn't on my radar. I just wasn't worried about that. I was just trying to make through the day, find someone to eat with. And I, I don't remember you till, till later. And I'm so sorry about it. It's okay. But she was always so good to me. She was a great friend. Loved I was her like a lot, missing but... teeth. So like, <laughs> 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 that 
that is also true, but that is not why we weren't friends at first. Weren't we all at that age? Like, no, I, like that's the problem, Allison. <laughs> People were done with that, not me. <laughs> I I was late to that game too, to be honest. So I, I get you. <laughs> yeah. Moral of the story, I don't remember you till later, but you were okay. fabulous, lovely friend to me mm-hmm. once I remember being your friend. Then we were like kind of inseparable, like BFFs, you know. The whole, the whole nine yards, like, mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. I mean, till now, I guess. Till now. Till present. Yeah, but you guys went to different colleges, so yes. yeah. just stayed in touch. Yeah, I feel like we were, like, kind of bad about that, like, freshman, we, sophomore We were not year, great. I think it was more just, like, figuring out how to, like, have a long-distance friend. Yeah. And then we figured it out I don't out even later. know how. We just kind of picked back up one, one summer. We, it wasn't like we didn't talk, but, like, no. I wouldn't say, like, you were – we kept in contact like we knew everything about each other at that no, point no I probably but. knew nothing yeah well it's like one of those friendships where like you don't see the person for a while and yeah. you yeah. see each other and it's like no time friendships yeah. go through Pass. phases yeah. yeah yeah. which I think is normal but I think also I just like I mean I didn't know how to like have a long distance friend no not at because you I don't have either. those until you go to college mm-hmm. you know um, you if, college, unless you move but. you're meeting so many new people yeah. and like everything's so new that yeah yeah but there was no, I never had like doubts that you wouldn't be in my life. So. Wow. Don't, True. Didn't say, yes, say same, it back. Say same. It back. So I never had a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm just really excited to, I, I feel like not that we didn't want you on the podcast, but like you don't have like a corporate job. So like, I can't say I really saw this coming. I truly never saw this coming at all so yeah what was your reaction when claire texted you to be on the pod well be honest i was I'll expose you i was honored for one thing i was i'm very flat honestly i'm flattered i think i'm your first non-corporate girly that has made it on the pod um but i was a little bit confused i was like i am a nurse i am nothing business every time i talk to you guys i think i get more and more confused as to what a <laughs> consultant is um or the fact that you can go to work five days a week every every week for I don't I don't know how long like if Our I have to life. work oh, your whole life if I have to work four days a week I I plummet I can't do it <laughs> um but yeah I just was wondering what my take was gonna be on your podcast so yeah. I'm excited to chat about it no yeah. Amelia was like sent the cutest text you were like what <laughs> and then you're like I'm so honored like helping each other achieve our dreams so <laughs> I did say that yes Aww. I like cried I was at work I was like oh yeah. But yeah, okay, so let's explain what our reasoning was because you listening to might be like, why are you having a nurse on here? I can't relate to her. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we had a recent speaker at our like quarterly work meeting and he was so good. So good. Um, and yeah, we need to find his name. I know what his name is. Oh. Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. That's a nice name. Yeah. And he spoke about like being a hero and I joke I I mean it's not a joke, but it like kind of <laughs> is a joke. But I like call Amelia my hometown hero because of just like all the amazing work that she does, like with the kids at the hospital and I don't know. And then I feel like uh, you know, just being a nurse and you know, she still lives in my hometown. So I'm always like hometown hero. So like that <laughs> talk made me think about her. And then Alice and I were just talking about like how it would be great to bring her on. And and she happened to be in town this weekend. Yeah. So we're like, so many pieces are falling into place. Like, mm-hmm. let's do it. Yeah. So. so, okay. Allison, explain like what Kevin Brown was talking about and how, yeah, how this relates. Yeah. So his whole talk was like Claire said, kind of how to be a hero in kind of like a work context because Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of us when we think of heroes we think of like people at work or coworkers Mm -hmm. or I don't know just like like a firefighter yeah you think of someone in yeah more of like a service oriented type job but the fact is like we are in a service industry like client service which obviously is very different than like a firefighter or someone who's like actually saving lives but Like, we do serve clients, and we serve people, and so his whole talk, I'll kind of give, like, a brief overview, because that was the first speaker I've heard in a really long time, and it was just so inspiring. Like, I forgot how inspirational, like, speakers are, and it was just so cool to hear his story, and um, so basically, he travels around and gives this talk, like, everywhere, but basically, he has this son, and 
his son has autism and he started out the story talking about this family trip that they did to Disney and they went to this restaurant there and his son had a lot of dietary restrictions and couldn't have like a lot on the menu so the waiter that they had was like I'm gonna have to get the the main chef to help like figure out what you can eat and the this chef comes over and is just super sweet to them and it's like what would you like to eat and he's like I want apple pancakes which was his favorite meal like that's all he wanted and she was like oh I'm so sorry like we don't have the ingredients can I make you something else and so she goes back and makes him something else but this boy just loved her so much because she was so nice and welcoming and he's like I want to come back the next day and so they come back to this restaurant the next day and they ask specifically for Aunt B. Like, that's what her name was, or that's what he called her. Even though, you know, I don't know why he called her that, but it was so cute and endearing. And she comes back over, and she's like, what will you have today? And he's like, apple pancakes. And she's like, all right, coming right up. And the dad, who was so the guest cute. speaker, was, you know, asked her, like, you guys don't have this on the menu? Like, how do you have the ingredients now? And she was like, I drove and got the ingredients after work yesterday because I thought you guys might be back. And literally got it out of her own money just because she knew that he might be back or there was a possibility. And it was just so sweet. Like, I got yeah, chills. Me and too. it just totally made his day. And, and then, long story short, they kept in touch with this woman and, like, I don't know, they like emailed her and they sent her birthday gifts. And basically she just left a huge impact on their life. And their son, who wasn't even supposed to graduate high school because, you know, he was told that he wouldn't with autism and stuff. He graduates high school. And so they're going to do a big trip for him. And he wants to go back to Disney to the same place and like get, see Aunt B. And then little do they find out that like, he's kind of famous like they know who this kid is they're like oh you're the apple pancakes kid (laughs) and basically he inspired their whole like dietary restriction program that they've been doing at disney now and yeah so anyway it was just the whole point was that that woman was a hero in that moment like she made that little decision to go out of her way to get ingredients to make these apple pancakes and that literally had such an impact on this boy's life, on this family's life. And kind of just the takeaway was you have control over every single moment and like what you do in that moment can either like have a huge impact or can just, you can let it slip by without Mm -hmm. any real impact. So it was just a really inspirational story and it just kind of got us thinking about how we can be heroes in our own life even if we don't have a job that you would expect to be more service oriented and helping others yeah definitely and like you know it's so easy for us to mail it in as a business person just because I nothing that we really do is ever quote like that urgent you Mm -hmm. know like we're not not, yeah we're not literally saving lives as Amelia over here like literally (laughs) is And so I think that we were, it just got me thinking about Amelia and just the fact that like you can't really like mail it in at your job. Like there are lives at stake and yeah. So just wanted to touch on that and we're going to just touch on what Amelia does, like how she kind of brings that service and like hero like attitude to what she does. And then also just how we can bring that to the workplace in a more like corporate setting so okay Amelia can you just like start with maybe what you do as a nurse and like what your responsibilities are and oh and also like why you decided to become a nurse yeah let's start with that yeah okay yeah why did I decide to become a nurse um well I knew I didn't want to work a (laughs) nine-to-five um and why did you know that though like when because I feel like I always thought I was gonna work a nine-to-five I just like I don't, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't feel right for me. Um, I knew I wanted a more service oriented job where I would see the people that I was actually serving. Um, 
Whereas I feel like for you guys, it's different. I, I really do. I don't understand business. I really picture you guys in a cubicle. So sorry about that. That was <laughs> or, my, or in our room. That was even. my vision. Yeah. Um, but I knew I liked the medical field. I knew I liked serving others. I knew I had like a servant heart, servant mindset. And so I didn't want to do more than four years of school. So I decided I was going to become a nurse. Um, and I think as I look back on my life, it makes complete sense why I'm a nurse. My confirmation saint is St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And her big thing was do small things with great love. And I kind of just took that as my motto for life. Like, I don't have to do really big things. I don't have to be, like, the best nurse out there, as I, even though I would like to be a great one. Um, I don't have to, like, go to the actual streets of Calcutta. I don't have to go somewhere except in my backyard, which is Columbus, Ohio. And what I chose was I wanted to work in a pediatric children's hospital. So I guess I just decided that the best way that I was going to be able to use all of my gifts and my ability to connect with others was to become a pediatric nurse. And another thing that Mother Teresa always said, and she has one very specific story that I think really changed my mindset about nursing, was she talked about how when she would bring these people in from the slums of the streets of Calcutta, they would usually be very sick, ill, skinny, malnourished, dehydrated, all of the things. And her big thing was, even though they were like quote unquote like less than people in her country, she was how she would always say like how can I serve them best and how can I see Christ in them? So she's like, okay, if she's gonna wash their feet or change them or do like very vulnerable things with people that she doesn't know, how can she see Christ in this person and make them feel loved as Christ did when um, he was here? And I think I just took that mindset into my own life and even though some of the stuff I do is so gross, like it really is, or just like abnormal for people. I'm able to be a part of so many vulnerable and intimate moments with people. And like, I've worked with adults. I've been working with kids for a year and a half now. And it's not just like changing diapers or stuff like that. Like it's being able to like connect with parents and like actually make a relationship with kids. And I think that was just something that I always wanted to do, but this was the most tangible way to do it. So I think even now I still have that mindset where I always just like think back like, okay, like, yeah, I'm this kid's had a blowout like five times tonight, but like, okay, Christ, like Jesus, here you are. Like, how can I best serve this child and their parents? So just a little backstory of why I'm a nurse. Um, and then I guess like my specific nursing responsibilities. And I think right now nurses kind of do it all. Um, I, most importantly, like, I have patient assignments, like, I have, like, my specific kiddos that I take care of every night, um, I give their meds, I bathe them, I change them, kind of do whatever they want, they want a popsicle, great, I'll get you a popsicle, like, if they're a child who requires more help, like, I'll feed them, you take them to the bathroom, talk with them, um, all of that stuff, but I think when, you think like, oh, you're, you're at a children's hospital, you only interact with kids. Like, no, like there's families, like it's really awesome to be able to like get to know parents and make sure that they feel comfortable um, with the care that I'm giving and things like that. But I don't know, I kind of, I kind of do it all. I wear a lot of hats like when I'm a nurse, um, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah. And so then you work the night shift. I work the night shift. I work 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Done it for a year and a half now. Yeah. Really big change. That was tough to adjust to. Um, and you kind of just have to, like, figure it out. Like, it's really weird. Like, I, it will be 8 a.m. And I will be going to bed for the day. And I'm like, sayonara, world. Like, <laughs> it is my bedtime. And everybody's up and doing stuff. And that was really hard. Because I was like, I feel like I'm missing so much. But, yeah, it just, working night shift is tough on the body. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So then do you only work a couple days during the week then? Or what's your schedule Yeah, like? so I this might sound crazy to people. I try to work like three or four in a row because I always flip my schedule. Like I don't want to have to just live in the nighttime because that's boring and nothing is happening. Um, So I'll work like three or four shifts in a row, get them all out of the way. And then after my last shift, I'll take like a three to four hour nap, wake up at 2 p.m. and like be awake for the day and flip it. So some people, I mean, you can do anything. You can do like every other day. I think that's crazy. Um, Or like two in a row or whatever you want to let that best fits your schedule but preferably I would rather just knock it all out because it's no fun staying up that late every single night wow 
So then how many, well, first of all, how old are the kids that you work with? Are they really young? (laughs) Um, So I can take care of a child anywhere from like two months to like 35. Um, As long as you have a pediatric cancer, you can come to our children's hospital. They love giving me the babies. I've had to learn to love it. They really scare me. I, they're just like so fragile. I'm like, I don't want to pick up your legs to change your diaper because you just seem so breakable, but they're not. Um, and they can't tell you. Yeah, it, that's so yeah. hard. And I love talking and I'm just like, what What are you saying to me? Like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I have all different age groups, which I think is really cool to be able, like I could have a two month old and a 16 year old boy and like a 10 year old girl and all in one night. And it's just like so different seeing all the different dynamics between the kids. So I think that's pretty cool instead of just being with adults. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you were talking before, like we were chatting about what to talk about, but you were like, all right, I come to work with like a a mindset. Mm -hmm. So can you describe like the mindset that you come to work with? Yeah. What you're thinking? Yeah. So Being a nurse, especially on an intense unit where you're dealing with um, cancer and end-of-life patients, it's really mentally and emotionally draining. Um, So it's very easy to dissociate or not think about what you're doing, but I think it's important to actually be present with the patients that you're with and really think about what you're doing and how this is affecting the child and the family. So the two things that I like to do every single shift with all of my patients, um, first I think about the child and like how can I make this night or day if your day shift better how can I make like do one thing that like just like makes it easier to fall asleep or makes them more comfortable or just like have fun like are we gonna play a game like am I gonna ask them what they did that day just like little things um to make them more comfortable and then also importantly for the parents how can I make them feel okay and comfortable with the care that I'm giving their child that night like I want them to be able to sleep so sound and not wake up and not worry about one little thing that's happening with their child like whether that be an emergent situation or just like changing them or making sure that like they have their blankets on or they're not getting cold or things like that like I just want them to make sure that they feel so safe and relieved that I'm their nurse for the night Um, because I think we kind of just forget about them and it's just again it's again, like Mother Teresa said, like the little things that you can do that just make it all worthwhile for like the families that you're serving. Yeah. How do you like, how do you keep track of all of that? And like, <laughs> I don't know. I, it, that's a lot. And like how, yeah. How do you, how do you prioritize those relationships and like get to know them? Yeah. Like how do you remember that this kid loves <laughs> strawberry popsicles versus, you know, like Ugh. stuff like that. Do you yeah. just remember that or? I mean, I feel like nursing as a whole, and especially my unit, we get to know, I mean, our families are there for months at a time or come back over the years. So you really do get to know the families. And if you let yourself, like you will become so attached to them. I know there's definitely a couple families and kids where I'm like, oh, I just want to know what they're doing. Like, I hope they're doing so well. Like, I love getting updates. So I think my unit, we're very good at being like, okay, this kid likes this. Or like, this patient really loves karaoke. Like, we have one kid that does karaoke every night. Oh, my gosh. Really, it's really cute. <laughs> so cute. It's really cute. Um, or like, That's okay. my kid. That, <laughs> me too. Or like... <laughs> This kid really loves Takis. Like, if you want him to take his meds, like, bring him a blue bag of Takis. Like, he will take them. (laughs) Um, Things like that. But I think once you – it's like any relationship. Like, you know what your best friend likes. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like, I know if my best friend's having a bad day that she's going to want, like, a Reese's. So I'm going to go buy that for her. And it's the same thing with our families. Like, after you've been through so many, like, vulnerable moments and intimate moments and you get to know them, you're just like – oh, like I know this mom hasn't slept in days, so I'm going to go take her kid on a walk and she's going to take like a 30-minute nap or an hour nap. Or I know that like this kid really likes this. And you kind of just, it's just like a friendship. Like you just get to learn and know it. And I mean, you can write it down if you want, but I don't know. I I just have it up in my head. I don't know. It's a gift. I like the small details. I just remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really have to write it down. But if you ask anyone on the unit, they'll be able to tell you something about some kid that will make it better for them. Mm-hmm. Or something that they enjoy. Do you have like a schedule? Because at least in business, <laughs> at least in business, my calendar kind of like dictates my schedule. So I can I find it hard sometimes to be present with the people that I am because I'm like I have to run to my mm-hmm. next meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, do you have to run to your next patient? Or like, how can mm-hmm. you 
be present with them when you, I, at least I find myself thinking ahead and I'm like, I have to do this next thing. So then I get on not as present. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you have the freedom to just be like, I'm going to stay and sing karaoke with this kid tonight <laughs> or like, no, I got to no. feed in the next patient. I wish I had that ability, but no, um, our unit just has very sick kiddos and certain things are very time sensitive. So like if they have chemo, like if I do not give the chemo at this time, like that is not okay, not allowed, not great for the patient or they can get really sick really fast. And so if I'm with another patient, if they're stable, it doesn't matter. Like if I'm in that moment with them, like I have to get to my other patient. So I feel like when I first started nursing, I was so task oriented and not really able to be present with my patients. It's definitely like a skill that I've had to learn and develop, but I always try to at least plan out my night, which never works out how it's supposed to. Something always goes awry um, or kids are difficult, Um, but I try to at least like block off a certain amount of time or like if I know my eight o'clock hour is really busy, I'm not going to get to talk to anyone or I have to like talk while I do things like while I'm giving them medications or changing them or doing whatever. That's my time. And if I can come back, great. But also like if you see people, you know, walking around the unit, like parents are up in the middle of the night, like just walking around, like taking the time to talk with them and just trying to be present then. And I think a lot of our parents know that we're very busy and that there's a lot going on on the unit. We have a really big unit. So I think they understand that like, I can't just be there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is, it is very hard to be present and prioritize that, but it's, it's hard. Cause I'm like, I know yeah. mother Teresa would do that though. Like, I know. I, I, know. I feel like she yeah. was good at that, but I find myself, <laughs> it's so hard. Cause I'm, I don't, and I and I guess I'm kind of like that organized like type A person where I'm yeah. like I got to get to my next thing. Yeah, there's like mm-hmm. definitely like a set agenda that you have to follow, and I think that's the biggest thing that's like difficult is just like taking the time to just like take a pause, and especially like if I have a night where I'm not that busy, like okay maybe I don't want to chat with a patient, like maybe I really am having a rough day and I don't want to do a single thing, and I just want to dissociate and just do my work and leave the room, but it's just that challenge to yourself to like these people are in like their worst especially when I come to my job like they're in one of the worst stages of their life like this is such a sad time like it's so sad to be like a newly diagnosed family and you're going through the first things that happen to your child like the first fever your first chemo like your first transplant or like things like that and that's it's like so isolating and I have to remind myself that I'm it's an honor to be a part of like such vulnerable times for these families and like I'm their nurse that gave their chemo and they're gonna remember me and like I might not remember their kid in like 15 years but they're probably gonna remember my face or like remember the nurse that admitted them when they were diagnosed or things like that and just reminding myself that as much as it sometimes is not that great or you don't want to be present or understand that you it's an honor to be a part of those vulnerable moments. So I think if you just have to like change your mindset and look at it that way, that's been helpful. But you're their hero. <laughs> I am not their hero. They're my hero. But um, no, I love yeah. that. Like, how do you? I mean, you view these children as your hero. So like, how do they impact you? You always oh. like buy their shirts and stuff. Yeah, I, I do. Amelia's always wearing like a shirt from her kids who yeah. are like raising money oh, oh my gosh that's I, so cute <laughs> yeah I definitely have my my favorites don't tell them but <laughs> I mean I mean yeah I do think that these kids are my heroes I think they just remind me that there's so much more in life that's important than like the random mundane crap that like happens in my life that like I want to complain about but I think it's just like the resiliency of these kids and the fact that like even though like my kid I had one kid she was getting this like really aggressive chemo and like it usually makes you pretty sick and she was almost done with it and I was coming on my shift um to like help discharge her and she was finishing it up and she was like can we make a TikTok with like all of my like cords and my tubies that I have like with her chemo going and like or like can we sing a song or like I had I had one patient who like really loved to sing and dance with me um (laughs) I'm always being requested for karaoke (laughs) and songs everyone on my unit knows that yeah I mean I really love to sing I love to chat (laughs) like but I think the fact that like 
they're so happy amidst like I think if I was diagnosed with cancer right now like my whole world would crumble and I think a lot of people's would but the fact that they're still like able to like see the joy and have fun and make friends on the unit and like be like oh yeah my friend down the hall like she has my type of cancer too like we're buddies like just the way that they have so much hope and the way that sea life and the way that I've seen them impact their families or like I've had a lot of talks with parents I think the parents are more sometimes more my heroes depending on the day but just the way that like I see parents like love their children or like are just like the sole source of comfort and like strength for them it's it like actually makes me emotional I've cried in so many parents rooms I'm like I'm like I've had so many conversations where I'm like you're just such a good mom and like someday like your two-year-old like he's gonna realize like how much you did for him and like he might not realize it right now and he might be really angry and like just like feel crummy but like just know that like the way we see you serve him is just so beautiful and like having those conversations like oh it like does make me emotional but yeah they they are my heroes they they just remind me that life is short and just love people and there is hope so yeah yeah, and I can't imagine these parents too I mean these parents are probably working full-time jobs Mm -hmm. and then also having to like deal with yeah. that I just it just reminds you that you ha- like have no idea what someone is going through mm-hmm. and I think it's so easy for us in our jobs when some of our clients we've never even seen their faces mm-hmm. like we are on meetings with them every day but it's like I'll notice certain days like a specific person seems like a little off or you know just mm-hmm. I had this one situation where one client like was just being really short and in a meeting and just like kind of just seemed off and emailed later that day and was like I'm so sorry I was having a really bad day like I'm sorry that I was acting that way and it's like I had no idea what was going on in her life but it's just yeah it's a reminder that like you just never know what someone's going through behind the scenes and yeah and I think that's one of the ways like you in the corporate world can like learn to serve like once you have those relationships or um, like we were talking earlier, like even with your coworkers, like it's not always about like patients and families and stuff like that. Like you are a team and like you're called to serve in your job and your job includes so many other people. So like whether like your coworkers having a bad day or like whoever like cleans up the office, like if you have a relationship with them, like I love my cafeteria staff in the middle of the night, like I know what they like, like they're so good to me. Like they, they know every single night at 2am I'm coming down to get a slice of cheesecake because that's just what I like. Um <laughs> Yeah, it is. That it 2 a.m. slice. That 2 a.m. I mean. slice of cheesecake. But, like, just being able to, like, serve people in that way or building those relationships, I think it's so much easier to serve then. Yeah. I think that, like, I I can get in my head, I think, about just – I think I get in my head about, like, prioritizing the wrong things. Like, I'm mm-hmm. prioritizing work instead of the relationship, you mm-hmm. know, because I feel like – you're judged on the work, not the relationship. And um, obviously I know the relationships are important and that's something that's like very clear to me and I am trying to make that mm-hmm. more of a priority, but it, it's just hard for me. Like, I, I don't know. Cause I think that I also, Amelia knows that like, I grew up like more introverted too. And mm-hmm. so I think that like, sometimes I can just get, sometimes I just go back to that, that place. Yeah and I just can't like come out of it it's Mm -hmm. weird yeah and I think that's where I mean like I have that challenge for myself like what can I do to make it better I think I don't know what that would be in the office or in the corporate world but like what is like one challenge like even though you're really not feeling it and you really don't want to bring your a-game or you really like don't want to talk to someone like okay can I at least like smile can I at least do that or open the door or sometimes I awkward smile Amelia and then they like get creeped out <laughs> okay can we work on that in the mirror and then do it at the office can we work on our smile sometimes I'm like um, I'm like if I'm not into the smile then it just like almost looks worse it's like okay hey <laughs> I cannot fix that um <laughs> Amelia can That's only do so cause. much I can only do so, I can only tell you so much um I don't, I don't know how to it's fix a niche that challenge. I'm so I'm sorry. Aware. I don't, I don't know how to fix that. No, but I feel like you have so much experience building those relationships. So like mm-hmm. when you are assigned a new patient, a new family, mm-hmm. how do you start to develop that relationship? Because it's so tough 
especially coming from a place of so much vulnerability already Mm -hmm. like I feel like when something difficult happens to someone I know like I have such a hard time like knowing how to meet them where they're at that's or, so like, true what to say to yeah. them oh it's so hard like, how do you <laughs> how do you go about that great question <laughs> that's like a really good that is a really good question um because I, I normally avoid I which avoid is the too. wrong thing yeah. to it, do. it yeah. not not always so I think I mean I don't always just be like, okay, tell me like the hardest thing that's going on, like that's going on in your life right now. Because obviously I know it, your child just is going through something traumatic, but I think it starts with just like simple conversations. Like, oh, how was your day today? Like, what did you guys do? What'd you guys eat today? That's a great question. Cause people love talking about food. Oh, like how was your nurse? Did you meet anyone from like specific therapy? Just like basic questions. And I think as you develop that level of trust, like, okay, like if I'm ever, like I've had a lot of kids, I don't know why, I always have the kids that like decide to just like go awry and just get sick and do silly stuff where I'm like, what are you doing? Just stop it, like (laughs) stuff like that. So I'm in these positions where a parent really has to trust me and you very quickly just create like a vulnerable trusting relationship that way, whether it not be through words, but it's through actions. But I think I just kind of put out my feelers. Like, I think I'm a very empathetic person. So I don't always, like, ask the parents. Um, but I'll, like, make an observation. And I'll say, like, oh, like, it's so nice to see the way that you, I don't know, like, interact with your child. Or it's so nice that, like, you still get up in the middle of the night and, like, change their diaper. But, like, I could do that for you if you want. But, like, just, like, little comments like that. But I think the only way you actually like get vulnerable with a patient and a family is you like have to talk about yourself. Like you have to also be vulnerable. So like if they're going to talk to me about something that's happened to them, like if I've had something similar or if I have like something to say, and usually mine's faith related a lot of, I get a lot of like faithful families, which is really a blessing to me. Um, but they'll be like, Oh, like I just keep praying this prayer. Or like, Oh, I just am holding on to like this specific idea. And you just kind of have to do it. Like you just kind of have to jump in, but put out the feelers, but jump in. So I've definitely been in a lot of situations um, and some of my favorite families. I've just been like, oh, I see you pray this prayer or, oh, I see this image of Mary. Like you must be Catholic or something like that. And then I like, oh, I'm Catholic too. And you just have to like, I don't know, tear down the brick wall that's in their yeah. heart. I don't, I don't know how to that do would it. Be like it's so hard comforting though. If- yeah if you were like a parent though and yeah you realize that like your nurse is like praying for your kid as much as you are Mm -hmm. you know like that would just be the most comforting thing in the world yeah and I think it's really like you yourself just have to be vulnerable like it's so awkward like you'll figure it out and it's it's painful forever sometimes but I mean it's so important to do that because I mean I don't know relationship is just a good thing and yeah yeah I don't, I don't know I think part of it is maybe like asking good questions and like mm-hmm. having that I, I think that like I don't know I was talking about my with my mom about this and just talking about um you know when someone's passed and someone's life and you know sometimes people kind of bring that up mm-hmm. and I never knew what to say and my mom was like well why don't you just ask them what their name was mm. and I literally saw a TikTok or wow. something about this and it was like someone explaining that situation of how like they lost a sibling or someone it's like mm-hmm. they hated those conversations because it's like people just never knew what to say like, people yeah. just shut down and but, i was one of those people yeah that just they shut were down. like i love it when people just ask their name because then i don't know or, like, it or, makes or, it or tangible say, like real what were, what were, what were they i'm like? so sorry to hear that like what was their name or like what was what were they like oh yeah and then it like lets yeah. their memory like live on mm-hmm. oh i love bit. asking parents for pictures of their kids Oh, I love it. Or like videos like, oh, like you got to leave and like go home for Christmas. Like, can I see photos or like, what did you guys do? Or like, what's, or, um, I had one patient, it was my first time ever having them and it was the 4th of July. And so in Columbus on like July 3rd, they do like red, white, and boom. And you can see all of, yeah, it's really fun. (laughs) Um, you can see like all of the fireworks because we're in the penthouse of the hospital we're on the 12th floor i know it's really fun i love saying that yeah (laughs) sweet um and i 
this mom was watching with her baby and I was like can I please take a picture of you like watching the fireworks like this is like this is so precious or like if they're like snuggled up in bed I'm like can I please have your phone and just like take a picture of this moment for you like stuff like that like yeah I think pictures do a lot and I think definitely like asking the name that was great I haven't heard that before but just little things like that yeah I it's just yeah (laughs) it's hard though I but I think it also does start with being vulnerable too Mm -hmm. because I think when I've been able to really connect with coworkers, it's Mm -hmm. it's when I know about what's going on outside of work or they talk about a hobby that they have and then I'm like oh my gosh it's so cool I had no idea you did that and it just it really helps so much to build those relationships and then you work better in a team too Mm -hmm. because yeah you actually trust those people and they're not just people that you talk to from nine to five and like you don't care what happens outside Mm -hmm. of that like sometimes you got to be willing to share you know like when someone's (laughs) like how was your weekend don't just say like fine how was yours like Mm -hmm. say something that happened and then say Mm -hmm. something that you know, you might be wanting to share or, like, could be a good conversation point, you know, because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you know, if I was like, oh, my friend from grade school was visiting, <laughs> like, so great to connect, and it's like, wow, like, that's so great you have a friend that long, like, that mm-hmm. makes me think of my friend that I've had my whole life, too, or, you know what I mean, yeah. and then you, like, can have something to talk about. It's the heart conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like with business – sometimes you can just stay professional mm-hmm. and I don't know, be willing to make that jump to go personal, not too personal. <laughs> I think you can make that distinction yeah. yourself, but. Well, I think that's the hard part too is I think I came into business thinking that a lot of people want to separate the two and they want to have their work and then they want to have their personal life and they don't want to mix those two mm-hmm. at all. But, and there definitely are people like that who kind of just, don't want to maybe cross that boundary but I think a lot of people do want to connect with people more and know Mm -hmm. about what's happening so I think maybe offering that up first to kind of open that door and then see how it's received and and then they might feel inclined to share something with you Mm -hmm. yeah and I was thinking Amelia about what you were saying about like what is like one thing that I can do to serve my patients and I was just thinking, you know, we should be coming to work with that mindset of like, what is one thing I can do today to better serve my client or to like better serve my coworkers today? Because I don't know, like when I'm just sitting at home or like I'm just sitting at my desk and none of my direct coworkers are around me, it's just, who am I thinking about? I'm just thinking about myself and like mm-hmm. what I have to do and like what's next on my calendar and like what's on my agenda today. And, like, I don't look up from the screen for hours. So it's just, it's hard. I feel like it would be so easy to just go through the motions. Yeah. And just be, like, a little task rabbit. Yeah. Which I find myself doing all the time. I'm like, I have this, 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 and this. But, like, never actually thinking about the actual person in front of me or those who are around me. Exactly. Or, like, sometimes I'm just trying to take the easy way out so I can get Mm -hmm. to the next thing. Which I think when I'm trying to do that, it's because I'm too busy and I'm... I've signed myself up for too much or something, which is something I do a lot. <laughs> and I'm just trying to move on to the next task. But I was also thinking when you were talking, sorry, I'm just like no, I was this processing is great. while great. you were speaking. Active listening. Yeah. Active listening. Whoa. And I was just thinking that the parents just have to trust you so much because you're doing something that they can't do. Oh, yeah, and it's so hard. Yeah, but I was just thinking that's why client or why clients hire us is because we're doing something that they can't do mm-hmm. and so they just have to like set back and mm-hmm. trust I don't know and, and I just thought how it's, so, it's yeah. how it's so similar mm-hmm. and but they're like watching but they can't help mm-hmm. and that's kind of similar like we have check-ins with our clients and whatever but they like can't do it they're just mm-hmm. watching us though I don't know maybe like explain that relationship because do you feel nervous around the parents or like (laughs) how do you Um, navigate like the parent relationships because I feel like that's most similar to our clients yeah it is hot and cold it depends on the parent it's going to depend on the client um some of them are different in a way where they'll just be like do your job I trust that you know what you're doing 
I'm not really going to be an active participant in this, but like, you got it. You got my kid, whatever. Other parents are like, okay, what med are you pushing now? What are you giving them? What are we doing? What's the plan for the night? What does this test mean? Things like that. They're more vocal. And with those parents, yes, sometimes I do get nervous because questions are hard, especially when you're new or when it's such a a niche specific type of unit like mine is. But I think what I've done to help navigate that parent wants to do things but can't always do things, if there is something that they can do or they've been trained to do, I let them do it. So like some of our kids have NG tubes, which means it's a tube that goes through the nose to their stomach and you can put feeds through there or medications um, or things like that. And some parents have been trained to do that. So I always offer, I'm like, do you want to give these meds? Like, do you want to help me? Do you want me to do it? Or what's the deal? Or even just with like oral meds that they like take in their mouth. I'm like, is there a specific way? Like, or I always say like, okay, parents know best. Like, how does your child best respond when I come in the room and I say it's medicine time and they start crying? Like, what do I do? Um, just making them feel included so that even though they, they can't really do it, it's not like they can scan off the medication and like give it to their child. Like they feel as though they're an active participant or if they don't want to participate, great. That's fine. I can do it. Doing that or especially in like emergent situations. So like, let's say we have a kid who might get transferred to the ICU or intensive care unit. And there's a lot of doctors in the room and there's a lot of people that they don't know, um, making sure that I take the time not only to like care for their child to be like, okay, mom, okay, dad, like this is the neurosurgery doctor, or this is like pediatric surge, or this is the doctor from the ICU and like making sure I give names to who's coming in the room and who's interacting with their child and making them feel like they know what's going on. Like, okay, I'm pushing this medicine. I'm doing this like so that they know what I'm doing. So that even though they're not doing it themselves, they at least have somewhat of an understanding or I don't know, making sure like if they have questions, especially with our new diagnosis kids, everything is so scary at first. Um, but making sure they know like, okay, if you have a question, like write it down or ask me or call me in the room. Like I always have time for that. So just like seeing a need before they actually say it Mm -hmm. is something that I at least try to do or at least make them feel included in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's such a good point too, of just like, like everyone needs different things Mm -hmm. and being able to be attuned to what specific people need. And it made me think of business and like how a lot of what I do is software implementation and it's like totally new for these people Mm -hmm. and a lot of them aren't tech savvy at all so like (laughs) it is so scary for them like they've been doing one thing the same way for like probably 20 years and then for us to come in and be like nope we're changing this like you have to do this and a lot of times they don't want to ask questions because they're like they don't understand what's happening or they're embarrassed and and like I think I can be so much better about like trying to meet them where they're at or trying to be empathetic or Mm -hmm. like that's something that I feel like I could do to better serve them and make them feel more comfortable yeah or like hyping them up when they do know something I love doing that I'm like oh my gosh you did so good like you know what all these medicines are for like that's Mm -hmm. awesome or like even with the kids but I think yeah that does relate to business in that way yeah have you always been in this mindset though because I'm just trying to think of how I feel like, you know, I'm leaving this, this podcast with like, yes, I want to be more service oriented. I want to be more people oriented, but how do I develop that mindset? Like, how do I make that a habit? Um, I think in order to like make that your mindset, you have to have something that impacts you or something that like means something to you. So for me, whether that be like my, mother Teresa story that I always think back on or for some people like the reason they became a nurse is because they had like a family member who was diagnosed with some specific illness and that's what drives them to want to serve others or like it's the same thing like why did you go into business like what is your why I think finding your why and your purpose for what you're doing and what your job is will help you discover like how you can serve others because Mm -hmm. if there's no why and there's no purpose behind it then like not that your service means nothing, but like, what's the point at that rate? Like, okay, I could go out of my way to do this for someone, but like, why? Like, yeah, why would I do that? Yeah. I think that's like a reason people get kind of jaded at work, especially like mm-hmm. a nine to five is because they're like, 
they just don't have a why. Yeah. They don't have a purpose behind yeah, and what they're, they're just they're like, doing this doesn't day. mean anything. I should just go work for this other company that pays me like double. Yeah. Because like it doesn't matter to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I should think of my why. What's your why? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I feel like I feel like I chose so I work in healthcare, the business side, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what a dream. <laughs> not trying to take over Amelia's job anytime soon. <laughs> but I think I was kind of just like healthcare. I wanted my work to mean something. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, just hearing about what you do, Amelia, like that's the industry that I work in, and maybe mm-hmm. not directly, but I'm like people that may benefit from or may be impacted by things that I do, like could be you, like 10 steps down the line. <laughs> but I'm more like behind the scenes and a little higher up in like a process if something was gonna get changed, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just am thinking about, like, how I could never do your job because I'd probably be crying, like, every single day. (laughs) It's okay. I cry sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's a good point, though, of, like, for someone like you, it's easy to see directly the impacts that you're making. But maybe for people like us, it's harder to see that ripple effect because oftentimes we're working with the leaders that are pushing these changes on people or, like, so it's harder to see, like, the direct result of our work so I would just encourage people to maybe think okay what are those downstream effects like what are those people that I might not ever interact with but like what is my work doing to impact them Mm -hmm. like for example like my client they give out a lot of loans to small businesses and so like the work that I'm doing could help them be more efficient so that these people that are trying to start businesses are able to get their loans faster and are able to like have a smoother, easier process. Mm-hmm. And so like that might not be what I would think I'm doing on a day to day, but like that's the bigger reason why, or that's like the deeper impact, I guess. Yeah. So maybe just like trying to think about who you're impacting, even if it's not obvious on the surface. Yeah. And I feel like maybe having your why not be about yourself is probably <laughs> I don't know I'm, I'm just thinking <laughs> yeah. like if your why was only about yourself I just and you're having a bad day or something like that why goes down the drain and you're mm-hmm. just thinking also there's this book called start with why and I've never read it but it's a business book and I like see it on every like shelf do you know the author because I feel no. like I've heard of that book I I've just I see it around and maybe <laughs> I should read it this might be your sign. Yeah, it could be my sign to read it. Start mm. with why. Start I'm with a why. feeling. I feel like that would tell me to find my why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, what's your why, Amelia? My Did why? you already say it? Like, why am I a nurse? But like, is that and is that the thing that you come back to? Is like, I mean, your why can <laughs> yes, that the Mother Teresa origin story that I talked about earlier is my why and it's helped me incorporate like my faith into my work and I think that's very important but I think as I've progressed through my nursing career like my why has changed a bit and I think that's normal but it's always come back to how can I best see Christ in those that I encounter every day at the hospital or how can I just be a light in vulnerable moments for other people like that's my why and why I do it because I I know that's something that I'm good at and I know that's something that God has blessed me with, even though it's hard sometimes, um, yeah. just being able to enter into vulnerable moments. Are you always aware of how you're seeing Christ in people? No. Okay. No. It's something that I definitely have to reflect and look back on. And I think that's normal for a lot of people. Like you're not always going to know what your why is or how your impact is affecting other people or if you're even doing it right or what you're doing. Um, but I think looking back and thinking like, oh, like this patient, like, I even like if they've been here for a long time and they're getting ready for discharge and a parent will call me in and be like thank you so much for being here on hard nights and for doing this for my kid or something like that and then I'm like oh that's my why like I was a light like that's awesome (laughs) and I didn't realize I was doing it or them being like thank you so much for like changing their diaper last night like that doesn't always happen like oh like that was something that like I could do for you like there's my why 
I don't always think you know in the moment. Sometimes you do, and if yeah. you do know, awesome, good for you, but not for everybody. Well, and that was that ties back to the story that Allison told from mm-hmm. our meeting was that guy said that he had been telling that story about Aunt B to everyone he knew, and when they got back to Disney, they realized that she was telling the same story mm-hmm. to everyone that she knew. And yeah, I just think that that's really powerful of, you know, we never know what's going on on the other side, but what he talked about was just like owning the moment that you're in and like, how can you own that moment? And I, it's exhausting to own the moment. I don't it know is. how you own it so much. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, how do, how do I like step up? If you had the easy way out, would you take it? I mean, like how do we in- encourage ourselves to be disciplined and like really work hard and like for a reason? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like there's just such an easy way that we could, take a nap if we had 30 minutes out and like cut corners and and do that I don't know the answer to that question (laughs) I am not going to lie to you but I I, stumped her you did stump me um (laughs) we've been throwing some tough questions yeah I have like I'm I'm sweating over here like (laughs) um I think can you repeat it like I just said like I'm sorry okay how do I it's just so easy to... How do you I mean, not cut corners? How do you just how do you be stay? a disciplined person that... Okay, got it, got it. Okay, yeah. how do we be present, be disciplined, not cut corners when it comes to everyday situations? Do the hard thing. How, how do, do we, we do the hard thing? Oh, you just up do every it. Day like, like, you do just, the hard thing. I think it's just practice. Like, you're not going to do it every day. If I told you right now that I was an A-game nurse every single time I went to work, I would be a liar. Um, yeah. I obviously do my best, and, like, sometimes, like... I literally do the bare minimum and I go hide and I don't talk to anyone. And like, that's just how it is that day. But like, that can't be it. So then I have to be like, Amelia, what the heck are you doing? Like, that was not fruitful, not productive. You didn't do anything great. Great. Okay. We move on and we try better the next day. And I really just do think that it's practice. Like if you're not just all of a sudden going to become a pro at something, you're going to start off an amateur and you have to keep trying your best and keep practicing your craft until you achieve it. So I think that's the same thing with, the discipline and a service oriented life. Like you have to keep trying to work better at it and you're never going to fully achieve it. It's something that's going to change throughout your life. Like I'm not going to be, well, I mean, I will be a nurse forever, but like my job isn't going to be a bedside nurse forever. So yes, like this is how I'm serving right now, but I'm going to have to learn in my next job or like in my next stage of life, like how am I going to serve? Yeah. Um, and it's just practicing and figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is committing to that kind of yeah. lifestyle or that mindset because you're not just going to become a service oriented person by accident. You know, Mm-mm. like that takes intention. That takes intention. Dedication. That's a great word for it. Yeah. You have to be yeah. very intentional with what you're doing. Yeah. And another Mother Teresa quote that I always remember from her <laughs> is she says, like, if you want to change the world, start at home. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so maybe for all you out there if you're wanting to develop like a service oriented mindset start with how can I best serve my roommates how can I best serve like my sister my brother like my parents Mm -hmm. the people that you actually interact with every single day and yeah and then maybe move up from there yeah because I think it's easy to be like oh I need to volunteer more or I need to find these other opportunities to serve others and no, it's like there are so many opportunities right in front of us mm-hmm. that start there. Like start yeah. where you literally, are. Yeah, literally and, start in your own backyard. Mm-hmm, you don't have yeah. to go on a mission trip. You don't have to go somewhere crazy. You just have to be where you are, and you will find a need. Because you're where you are for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good stopping <laughs> yeah, point, that's, honestly. It's a good note Any to final end on? thoughts, Amelia? What did you think of your podcast experience? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was great. I never thought I would be on a podcast, but I thought it was kind of fun. It's weird talking to people that I can't see, but I mean, people you're serving and you might not know your why. Oh, my ripple come. effect. Here we go. Um, yeah, just honored to be here and share a little bit about what I do. Yeah, this was fun. Our hometown hero. Yes. yes. Thank Obsessed. you. So thank you. Yeah, Amelia is just you know one of the good ones. Love her so much, and <laughs> thank you so much for being on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed and found ways to kind of just like reflect at 
actually uh, get a grip. Like we're in our corporate <laughs> job. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I just think like so okay, fair. let's let's remember that there are people out there seriously saving lives and like orienting our. It just makes me feel like I don't know. It doesn't make me feel bad, but it just wants. It makes me want to step up my game mm-hmm. to really do like. Am I really doing as much as I can? to serve the people that I'm serving and the answer is no (laughs) and then I like see Amelia out here like giving her all for these kids and like their families and it just like you're calling me higher like you're calling me to want to serve the people that I'm serving better so Mm -hmm. hope this like inspired you and um yeah and it's it's Lent so it's a good time to like start these things and start reflecting about it and yeah thank you so much for listening and we'll talk later see you next week Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Give us a rating and follow us on social media at Corporate Catholic Pod.